Well, good morning. So glad you're with us today on this Sunday morning. And uh, Pastor Chad will be back with us next week. And we can get back to the same old, same old, huh? Uh, so glad that you're with us. And uh, as you know, thanks, Pastor Matt. And thanks, worship team. Uh, we have been walking through. I have a little OCD, okay? Let me make sure this is. There we go. Okay. Um, as you know, we have been talking about uh, walking through Death Valley. I asked the team to, to sing that song. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart, to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life and all I am. I surrender. Sounds like a walk through Death Valley, doesn't it? And uh, we've been looking at the 23rd Psalm, primarily verse number 4. And so today I want to look at that verse again. Uh, this time I want to read a couple, uh, read that verse from a couple different versions of Scripture. Uh, for example, Psalm 23, verse 4 from the Living Bible says this, Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, guarding guiding all of the way from the Amplified Bible. Yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me, your rod to protect me and your staff to guide. They comfort me. And then again from the message, even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. Walking through Death Valley, we were reminded last week that faithfulness to God does not guarantee that a person's life will be free from trouble, pain, and suffering. I grew up hearing my dad say, life is like a bed of roses with a few thorns thrown in. So true. Because life, no life is immune to the dark and painful experiences of life. In fact, the word when in some of the translations of this passage expresses the certainty of walking through Death Valley. At some point in all of our lives, we will walk through Death Valley sometimes <laughs> over and over again. Times in Death Valley will touch us all, but each of us must determine if we become broken or shattered. Broken or shattered. The song that you just heard the team sing talked about helping uh, us as we, as we are broken, and that is a good thing. Last week, we talked about three lessons when walking through Death Valley. Let's review those very quickly today. Before we move on, the first lesson is this. It's a walk of dependency. It's difficult to truly trust and depend on God when we are running ahead of Him. The second lesson is dryness in the valley produces intimacy. In our desperation, the Lord's presence and His nearness can, can become the most precious company in life. And then thirdly, the Lord is with us. We never walk alone. 
as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so today, three more lessons to give us perspective, to give us hope as we walk through Death Valley. Lesson number four, every voice is magnified in the valley. Every voice is magnified in the valley. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there will be all kinds of voices speaking to you. And in this valley, all of those voices will echo because that's what happens when you're in the valley. Those voices echo back and forth. The reverb of these voices forces us to look and listen in all directions. You were so impressed last week, I I was told, with my singing that I thought I would sing another song today. Okay? Autographs will be signed next Sunday, okay? But this is a song that I learned when I was about this high. And maybe you know it. It goes something like this. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. We used to do the actions. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Cute, but profound. Never minimize the words of kids' songs. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. When walking through Death Valley, beware of those voices. Voices of doubt, voices of despair, voices coming from secular culture, and even voices from good people. Let's look at these for just a moment. Voices of doubt. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, we read, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Amen? That's good. I mean, we don't like going through the valley, but as we go through, that can happen. True faith is choosing to trust the character of God even when outward circumstances are impossible to understand. Trusting the character of God, depending solely on Him. Voices of despair. Psalm chapter 42, verse 5. Why, O you downcast, O my soul, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him my Savior. You know, the more we endure difficulty in the process of serving Christ, the greater will be the comfort and nearness of Christ in our lives. Spiritual transformation never starts around you. It always starts inside of you. I've heard from some of you this week. Uh, You shared your experiences in Death Valley. And you've told me that It was in your Death Valley experience where you knew Christ. You knew his voice. You became close with him through the power of his presence. (laughs) Only in Death Valley most of the time. Voices from secular culture. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. 
But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. I love that statement, keep your head. (laughs) Just hang on, uh, stay cool, don't lose it. It's going to turn out all right. Any teaching, counsel, or advice given to you when you're going through difficult times that may suggest that your trial, your tribulation cannot be used to draw you closer to the Lord is a myth. As we talked about last week, all throughout the New Testament, we see over and over that the best way to grow, the best way to become the man, the woman that God wants us to be is through those struggles of life. So just depend on him. John Mason, he made this cute statement. He says, we're all like tea bags. We're not worth much until we've been through some hot water. Yeah, he's right. And then voices from good people. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. In other words, just be careful what you listen to and who you listen to. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith Wonderful, wonderful people sometimes uh, have advice or counsel that may not be the best. Their intentions are good. Just be careful. Little ears. (laughs) What you hear. You see, we must silence all the voices in the valley and listen for the whisper. Let me say that again. We must silence all the voices in the valley and listen for the whisper. Oh, that is so unlike our nature. That is so unlike where our culture is today. Is to sit still and listen. Sit still and listen. And this whisper, it's a single whisper. It's the whisper of God. And he is speaking and he wants to speak to us in the valley. You see, whispers don't echo in the valley. Whispers don't echo in the valley. You know, God is always speaking, but he seldom uses a megaphone to speak to us. You found that to be true? If you haven't, you will. <laughs> you know, when I was, when we were in college, my wife and I, Janie, uh, Jane, my wife and I, her name is Janie. There we go. Uh, it was our senior year. We were engaged. Um, you know, I proposed before I had a real job, and you know, we were getting close to graduation date, and oh my goodness, to the wedding date, and I needed a job, and oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And so uh, I came in contact with a great church in Toledo, Ohio, called Calvary Church, and. Uh, They needed a couple of teachers, so we said, let's try this. And so we interviewed, applied and interviewed, and and, and we were offered a job. But, you know, you wanted to pray and and make sure you're making the best, the right decision. So, you know, as a young man, 22 years old, I'm going, oh, God, Toledo? Oh, okay, well, all right, whatever. I mean, so God, show me, speak to me in a a megaphone kind of way, if you would. And, And that's our nature again. And, and this is a true story. Now, 
before I tell you what happened, I'm not saying that you should look for this or try this, okay? But it goes so well today, all right? So um, I'm walking down campus, and I'm, you know, just trying to make a decision and walking to class. You know, it was a two-lane kind of a main thoroughfare at, at our school. So I'm walking this way, and folks are coming that way. And all of a sudden, a guy yelled out. Seriously, he yelled out, Holy Toledo! He did. And I went, sign on the dotted line. Not really. That was just, it's kind of a cute story, okay? Don't follow that because don't wait for the megaphone when you're walking through Death Valley. We wish and hope that God would speak to us through a megaphone. We want God to shout We want him to yell. We want him to put it on the billboard with flashing lights. We want him to use a donkey if he has to. He did that in the Old Testament one time. But here we go. Most of the time, God will speak in the closeness of our intimacy with him. Maybe... That's why we don't hear God a whole lot. Because we don't take the time to sit still and be quiet and listen. Most of the time, he will speak in our time of desperation. But we have to listen and be still. We have to be quiet and listen. And again, that is so difficult, so challenging in our culture with all of the mobile devices and TVs and entertainment and restaurants. Like, now that our girls are away most of the time, Janie and I call Tuesday night, Tuesday date night. It's really kind of fun, empty nesting nesters. Anyway, and uh, so Tuesday night we, we go out, and I don't know what it is, but when I go out to dinner with my wife, I want to have conversation I want to talk. I want to share. I want to hear her conversation. And I just want to, you know, well, every restaurant we choose, I mean, it's like party hardy. I mean, what is going on? Doesn't anyone stay home and just hang out? Not when we're going out. I mean, so, you know, we go to these restaurants to have a conversation. And, of course, it's somebody's birthday right next door. They're standing on the table. They're riding the saddle. They're... Hey. Celebrate your birthday at home for crying out loud. I'm trying to have a conversation with my wife. (laughs) Just last week we were at a restaurant. You've already figured it out which one. And we were with another couple. and, And I don't know how many times we said to each other, Huh? And then the waitress came. I was sitting on the edge of the booth. And she was yelling in my ear. That is our nature. That is our culture. Guess what? Don't expect that from your Heavenly Father. He is not going to respond to us in that way. We must silence all the other voices in the valley that demand our time and attention and listen to the one single voice. Whatever it takes to shut up and be... Oh, did I say that? That is in my notes. (laughs) Whatever it takes to sit still and be quiet, do it. 
Many times, many times, God will speak to us through his word. But this is what we do. We, we, and I do this, okay? We, I have the Bible on my phone, the, the Bible app, and, and I like to take my iPad and I hit the listen. The, he'll, he reads it to me. <laughs> and then I can follow along. And I like that. But then I have my phone right next to me because, you know, I'm an important guy and I need to stay in tune with the world and with the church and with the team. And so, you know, if a little post comes up, whoop, how can we ever, ever, ever hear God's voice if there are so many distractions in our lives? When was the last time you stopped for 15 minutes, just 15, and not in your car, that doesn't count, to hear God's voice speak to your heart? Voices echo in the valley. Be so careful when you're walking through the Death Valley, going through that experience, who you're listening to. Lesson number five, the rod and staff bring transformation. The rod and staff bring transformation. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. The rod in which a shepherd used was a short club. It was both a weapon of defense against predators and an instrument of discipline for the sheep. Bad sheep, bad sheep, boing, boing, okay, a club. In the 23rd Psalm, the rod symbolizes God's strength, his power, and his authority. The staff, which was a long slender stick with a hook on one end, was used to bring a a sheep close uh, to the shepherd, to guide it in a way to give direction and, and, uh, and so forth. God's rod and staff reassure us of God's love and guidance in our lives. We need his rod and we need his staff. And again, it brings guidance, protection in our lives. Now this is tough, but many times... We are to look upon suffering as though it was the discipline of a loving father. Not for wrong actions, but for helping us to grow up. For helping us to mature. For helping us to become transformed. Right? You see, as a loving father, I want my daughters to understand that though I love them and I believe in them, I'm not going to give them a free ride in life. (laughs) I want them to work hard. I want them to sweat a bit. I want them to persevere. I want them to learn the principles of personal discipline. I want them to grow up to be a mature adult. You see, God's discipline is a sign that we are his children, and that's where the rod and the staff, they comfort us. In that journey. Many times when walking through Death Valley, the rod and staff are used for one purpose. It might be hard to swallow this. The one purpose is this to clean up the dross in our lives. The dross? What's that? Very simply, the dross is, is, the, is the waste and the garbage that kind of collects and builds up within us over a period of time. 
And so God uses that rod and that staff to guide and direct that dross out of our lives. For example, anger will destroy you before it destroys anyone else. So control your temper. Proverbs 29, verse 11, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Pride will lead to your downfall. Humility is far more rewarding. Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Jealousy. Jealousy grows like a cancer. Proverbs 14, verse 30, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Conceit is ugly. A conceited person forgets God's place in his or her life. Proverbs 16, 2, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives, motives are weighed by the Lord. Don't ignore the inner attitudes within us, within, uh, within you and me, that can build up that nasty, wasteful garbage in our lives. Came across this statement. Fits so well, so profound, so challenging. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. When walking through Death Valley, we should ask the Lord, okay, Lord, I submit myself to your rod and to your staff to purify and cleanse the dross out of my life. Imitating Christ and becoming more like him should be our desire and our focus. This, my friends, is called transformation. And it happens when God uses his rod and his staff. All right, that's a little heavy. Let's go on to the next one. That's, this is a little better, okay? Uh, lesson number six, valleys create balconies. Valleys create balconies. The actual Death Valley, you'll see it on the screen here, is a part of the Basin and, Ra- and Range province. And uh, there is a low point surrounded by very high mountains. So often we think Death Valley is just a flat, arid, dry uh, desert. And there is a lot of that too. But the climate of Death Valley is very dry because it is bounded by mountains on all sides. Hot, dry air masses often get trapped in the valley. Uh, As we mentioned last week, uh, the average temperature in August is a comfortable, balmy 113 degrees. Uh, Layered on these mountains are cliffs that resemble balconies that overlook the valley. Now, in the book of Hebrews, uh, we read that there are heroes of the faith who are cheering us on from the balcony of heaven as we walk through this life. For our purpose today, as we walk through Death Valley, the balcony... The balcony is watching. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 1. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Hebrews 12 contains clues regarding the situation of the believers to whom this book was written. These readers need to be encouraged despite their circumstances, trials, and struggles. The author wants to say to them, hang in there, don't give up. Look at Hebrews 2, verse 1. We we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And then these readers have also been encouraged not to turn away from God, not to allow their hearts to become hardened. Hebrews 3, verse 12 through 15. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now we need to understand, we need, we need perspective, we need context to this, this writing. This community of believers, they're becoming weary. <laughs> they were becoming tired. They were weary of persecution, struggling to stay strong in an increasingly hostile environment, but weakening to the point of giving up and turning away from the faith. They had had just, they had, they had had about just enough, and their walk through Death Valley had been beyond belief. And so the writer is saying, come on, come on, hold your head up, hold your head up, don't give up. And then he goes on to say that there are others who have completed their journey. These faithful people from the past now They stand as a great cloud of witnesses standing on the balcony of Death Valley encouraging them to keep going. You see, the writer is showing us athletes in a foot race running for the prize and urged on by the crowd. And they're not just spectators because they too have run the race. They too have walked through Death Valley. The chapter before, Hebrews 11, mentions some of these Runners, For example, Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph. Remember Joseph from last Sunday, Genesis 39? Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samson, David, Samuel. And then he says the prophets, and he lists more. Now, Hebrews 11 doesn't mention Lloyd and Mary McGinnis. They're my grandparents. But they're there. They're cheering me on as I journey through this life. Seriously. There are days that I want to make my grandparents proud of me. 
If you have a Christian heritage, thank God Almighty for that. But then do everything you can to not disappoint them (laughs) as you journey in this race. As we walk through Death Valley, we do not struggle alone. And we are not the first to struggle with problems and persecution, letdowns, disappointments, persecution, and even failure. There's no hopeless situation until we ourselves become hopeless. I should have put that up on that. I didn't do that. I need to see. You may want to write that down. There's no hopeless situation until we ourselves become hopeless. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Hebrew uses a, a race analogy to help us to understand the spiritual journey that we're on. And so there are three principles to this race that I want to throw your way today. Here's the first one, preparation. As we run this race, we need to prepare ourselves. This has two meanings for the racers of the ancient world. You see, the clothes would often hold them back. So many of them would run naked. I would not encourage that, okay? Um, Find some comfortable, loose-fitting clothing, all right? Or, or the extra weight that would keep athletes from running efficiently. Here, here's what we need to consider. We must be spiritually trim and able to run the race unencumbered. Get rid of all of that extra stuff that gets in the way from us running this race of faith. Just one quick example. How we spend our time and the focus of our attention. You know, some of this extra weight may not be sinful, but it may bog us down. But then the second meaning of this is sinful. The second step of preparation requires believers to avoid the sin that so easily entangles us. Just like Joseph did in Genesis 39. He walked away from that woman We are called to walk away from those evil desires, from that sin that will get in the way of us running this race. We must put away any sin that might entangle, impede, or trip us up. Get rid of it. Put it away. Are you entangled by the crowd that you hang out with? Choose a different crowd. Make better choices. Are you entangled by the activities that you are involved in? Choose some other activities and see what God will do in your life. Are you entangled with addictions? If you have a secret weight that is weighing you down as you run, admit you need some help and get the help that you need. Getting rid of the dross in our lives so that we can run very effectively in this race. Secondly, another lesson or another principle in this Hebrews race is participation. Get in the race. We must put ourselves in the position to allow the rod and the staff to transform us. Accept that as a participant in the race. We are called to have faith. We are called to believe God, to trust God, to worship God, 
to know Christ as our personal Savior, to have courage, to pray, to encourage others, to confess our sin. Very simply, these can be summarized as loving God and loving others. And then the third principle in this race is perseverance. Perseverance. Our journey is not our journey alone. We don't always get to select the course. It is God who marks it out before us. We should be journeying with Christ, not paying attention to ourselves. We must always keep Christ in sight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Once you wander away from Christ, you begin to wander. Once you fix your eyes on someone or something else, you're headed in the wrong direction. Jesus is both the start and the finish of our race of faith. And to live effectively, believers must keep their eyes on Jesus, no divided attention. He is the one that we keep falling in love with over and over with, over and over again. We will stumble and fall if we look away from him. If we stare someplace else, we're headed down the wrong path. Now, I've asked the worship team to uh, share the same song again because I think this time, hopefully, as you see the words, as you listen to the words of Give Me Faith, you'll begin to gain a different perspective as we walk through Death Valley. Listen carefully again to the words of this song.
You know, last week I gave you a spoiler alert to where we were going to end up today. And I shared my concern with you. Have a concern that Scripture says many of us are going to drop the baton. The heroes of the faith have passed to us a spiritual baton. And we have received this baton with joy. Amen? With thanksgiving. With passion. With determination. But like the readers of the book of Hebrews, some of us are becoming weary. Life's not fair. I had no idea this was going to happen to me. And the tipping point, like I said last week, of those falling away could very well be our journey through Death Valley. Matthew 24, verse 10. The very words of Jesus Christ. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. And it goes on. Came across that verse, like I said, back in 2009, and it changed my call, my role as a pastor, because I want to do everything I can to keep you from falling away from the faith. And today, I'm here to remind you that there is a balcony, a balcony in your death valley who are cheering you on. They're saying to you, don't turn away. Don't, don't fall away. Keep the faith. Persevere and fight. It is worth it. And they're cheering you on and they're applauding. They've been there. They have done it. Heaven is applauding for you. Heaven is behind you. Keep the faith. In the hallways of heaven, I don't know if there are hallways or not, but let's say there are, okay? In the portals of heaven, can you imagine the sound of the batons that are dropping because people are falling away from the faith because of their journey in Death Valley. Now, there are other reasons. The culture is enticing. The culture is taking people away. That's a whole other sermon. Maybe next time, okay? Don't drop the baton. Can you imagine the sounds in heaven when the baton is dropped? 
Don't drop your baton. Move ahead. Hold on to your faith. Allow this dark valley to transform you into the person God has intended you to be from the very beginning. Would you stand with me, please? And so will you bow your heads? Let's commit ourselves today to hanging on to the baton. And so, Lord, today, we need you. We need you to soften our hearts and break us apart, God. God, we need you to open our eyes to see that you're shaping our lives. It's hard, so hard. We need you, God, to pierce through the dark and cleanse every part of us. Give us faith, God, to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. Yes, we're broken inside, but we give you our lives and we choose today to move forward, to journey, to trust you, to allow your rod and staff to comfort us, to transform us. We give you our lives, God, and may we honor you and glorify you With everything that is within us, I pray. God, go with your people. Encourage them by the power of your presence today, God. I pray that in the stillness of their lives, God, they would hear your voice, they would know your voice, that you'd minister to them, God, that you would meet them at their lowest point, bringing them to the place where you want them to be. And God, may we march forward in this race of faith. We bless you now, give you praise now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hang on to the baton, all right? Have a wonderful week. We'll see you back in church next Sunday. Thank you.